Welcome back to About Being Alive podcast. Your host, Jason here. Jordan. Good to be back. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It's been a little while. We front-loaded a lot of episodes. We did. We're trying to get our social media game on. Yep. New hustle. It's a new grind for us. Uh, it's been a good learning process. Yeah. Shout out to Jason for and and our, our friends at Fiverr. Or on yeah, Fiverr. our friend from India who is making us a lot of posts and helping with editing. Yes. Uh, we're, we're catching on, man. We've got over 50 followers. Yeah. Yep. Watch out. Big fame. <laughs> Big fame. Do you want to be famous? Ye- yes and no. Yeah. To a certain degree. I think that to be known is a good feeling to have be recognized. Yeah, validated. Yeah. And appreciated, right? I'd like to go into Whole Foods and be in peace. Maybe, that's like the, maybe that's one person. Maybe one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I kind of like it. You, about being alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get that, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's a strange game, though, that is being played. I think now more than ever, this is the fame game. The fame game. The, the desire for everyone to like, to, to, to see that I'm important. Yeah, and, and what's interesting too is you all you hear you know people that have achieved that high level, and they're over it. I mean, the high high level. Yeah, 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 it sucks, man. You can't go anywhere. Yeah, you can't go anywhere. You can't go, can't go anywhere. Like I was listening to a podcast with uh, Mark Marin, and he had Brad Pitt and Leo on, and they were talking about when their life changed. And you know, he did, they just noticed he, you know Leo after Titanic, he knew his life changed when he saw like four SUVs outside his house, oh. paparazzi's. Just following him everywhere. And he's like, okay, now my life's different. Wow. And that's another level, right? That's, uh, you know, I liked being able to escape and and sit in a cafe and just be alone. And mess up. And mess up. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm sure a lot of my failures from the past are going to catch up to me. But I cannot imagine being a teenager now. Like, I made so many stupid videos growing up. Yeah. Like really bad videos that were like just stupid teenage humor. And to think that if I was a teenager now, I'd be posting that constantly online. The embarrassment of, of yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah, I, I think of college because I was on the tail end in college where, or I guess the front tail, if that's a term, um, where social media was just starting. You know, Twitter was people getting on Twitter. Instagram, I think, really popped off my senior year. Um, I'm just thinking of, I'm so glad that some of those moments weren't recorded, you know, just, but, but there was a certain freedom in that without that video there that you could explore. Yeah. And, and be silly and be wild and be goofy without the re- social repercussions other than people being like, dude. But as a teenager, you're not yeah. thinking about the social repercussions. So they have access to this and they have that mind, but man, like 10 years from now, it's all going to catch up. Yeah. So let's do a little practice. Let's do a little quick practice yeah. to dive in. We're going to do a little grounding awareness mm-hmm. present practice. Gap. Find the gap. All right. So wherever you are, if you're sitting down, have your back be straight but comfortably so. Feet on the floor. And if you're driving, just keep your eyes on the road. Follow the rules. Keep your eyes open. This practice can be done eyes closed or eyes open. 
first place all of your attention in the feelings of your feet against the floor. Feel the weight of your feet against the floor. And now feel the weight of your bottom against the chair. Now the chair and the floor are effortlessly holding you up. And you can choose either one, whichever one feels right, or both. Imagine with every exhale, you're sinking a little bit heavier into the floor, into the chair. Now imagine that how heavy your feet and your body are into the floor and the chair, that that's only 15% of how heavy you can be. So let's try to crank it up to 30%, even more. Heavier into the floor and heavier into the chair. And again, that's only 30% of how heavy you can be into the floor and the chair. And try to double that to get even heavier into the chair and into the floor. Now shift your attention to the sounds around in the room, letting your attention drift and be captured by any sound. All you have to do is be aware of the sound. Now lastly, bring your attention to the feelings of your breath in your body. The inhale and exhale movements in the chest, in the belly, or you know the tip of the nose. Wherever your attention drifts to is right. And whenever you're ready, bring your attention back to the space around you. Flutter your eyes open. Come back as slowly as you need to. Thanks, man. Yeah. I really like the heavier that yeah. 
the percentage of heaviness. Um, it was, it, it, it's somehow tangible to be able to increase the feeling of, of sinking in 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 the sort of the presence being embodied. It's a really nice, it's a nice touch. Yeah, shout out to uh, a comedy teacher of mine, Jet. Okay. Who's uh, gave me that practice, that idea of just trying to do something and then imagining, oh, that was only like 10% mm. of what you could actually do. Mm-hmm. Whoa, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's like a, you know, a technique or sort of a philosophy in NLP where you, you have a control room in your mind with all these dials and knobs and you kind of visualize like, uh, you know, one may say, um, you know, energy level, confidence, and you imagine being in a control room and you just turning that dial up. Yeah. Like it's on like three and you turn it up to eight. It's like eight. And then you're, you know, it, but that's similar idea. And it, it, I think it validates how much control we could potentially have over our somatic experience. Yeah. And I think that what's helpful for this is the guided portion of mm-hmm. this. The, and I'm one who I favor like non-guided, like just go into it yourself in a simple practice. But the benefit of this is that someone else is like, now just imagine that that was only like 10%. Mm-hmm. And like to kind of trigger you and to be like, well, I, oh, I thought I was giving it my all. Yeah. Into anything, you know, yeah. like that could be anything in life. Working and having someone be like, now imagine that was only 10%. <laughs> that you can go harder. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like that. You could even record yourself and have a sad timer play <laughs> at different times of the day. <laughs> yeah, I had that idea of like creating this meditation that you just listen to all day long, and it's just like all through the day, someone's like ringing a bell mm. and, and telling you to bring your attention back. And yeah. I don't know if that was too obsessive or if that was helpful, right? Like, um, there's actually a book called Galapagos by Kurt Vonnegut. I mm-hmm. want to say, uh, yeah, I've read in that. which the birds are trained to like say here, here or something yeah, like that. And yeah. so that the whole island is like becoming more present. Yeah. Huh. So maybe a parrot perhaps. Parrot. A pet parrot. Pet parrot. Walk around on your shoulder. Yeah. If anyone listening has a, a bird store or can get us a good deal on a couple parrots, <laughs> I think that we could yeah. have some, um, yeah, we need a podcast mascot. Yeah. You know, that's definitely a, not a must. That's a must. Yeah. I think a parrot, a, a very contemplative. Muscular. Muscular, present parrot is is perfect for. Shredded shoulders. Here. Yeah. Real nice delts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, legs should be skinny, like no leg day for the parrot. Yeah. Because that, that emphasizes the parrot qualities. I don't want thick parrot legs on my, no. <laughs> Just stocky. Upper body build parrot, cont- contemplative, asks good questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Starts up conversations, perhaps. Can carry protein powder on its leg. Like you can chain a little tiny. I mean, like, I mean, we're not doing animal cruelty by doing this, right? I hope so. I want to make that very clear. Yeah. Make it very clear. This is not animal cruelty. Yeah. So, yeah, we just get a little, like, little, little vial of protein powder that you can tie around its ankle. So it's, it's kind of like a donkey, you know, you can like, yeah. Right. Like no one ever talks about animal cruelty with donkeys. They're kind of, are they, they're like designed to carry stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's certainly how we've seen it for the past. Yeah. Do they like carrying centuries. stuff? 
I don't know. I feel bad when I'm on a horse or a donkey. Never been on a horse or a donkey. Really? So I'm ignorant. Okay. So I can I can I can be an expert on the subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's been happening with you? You you oh, had man. a big move. I moved. Yeah. I'm I'm, in a, I'm alone. Yeah. One bedroom apartment. Never have I ever. Now I have. And uh, yes, I moved places. One bedroom loft above kind of like this studio kind of feel. So I got the kitchen and then it's just a big room. And then I go upstairs and it's just a loft bedroom with a shower upstairs. Really small. Yeah. Um, and I have not felt any negative outcomes of being quote unquote alone yet. It's still novel. Because mm. people talk about being lonely. But maybe it's because I've been doing so much stuff. Yeah, I, I I think that especially one benefit of living alone is that it encourages you to go and seek experiences and seek socialization. Yeah, and it's to design a home that feels like home. Like when I come home, sometimes I kind of want to go home, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this feels so nice. Yeah, like to design this place, I still need to clean up and organize and kind of minimalistic guys certain places in my room, but I love it. Yeah. So I went this last weekend and I went to Home Depot with Dan and his buddy Oren came down mm -hmm. and they basically talked me into buying a lot of plants. So I have 20, I have almost 20 plants at my house right now. <laughs> I have a tree. Yeah. Cause the loft, right? High ceilings. So I got a nice good sized tree in there and I've got some, I got about four pothos plants, got succulents, got some zebra plants, got some polka dot plants, a lot of plants, dude. Sounds like more of a, a, a jungle you're creating. It's a jungle. It's a jungle. I even built beds and hung them on the railings at my on top of my loft that's mm. hanging down over. It's epic, man. Wow. It's, yeah, very lively in there. Yeah. That's it, it, what I think the benefit plants bring is other living beings inside your home where not yeah. only do they, you know, help create oxygen – but it's like there's life. There's know? life. And I, I feel that. Yeah. I even say, what up, bro, to my pothos plants in the morning mm -hmm. right when I wake up. I see them. It's beautiful, man. It is so beautiful. Wow. And there, there's this concept that I was working through with a friend um, that I think that people need to hear. There are three things in life that you cannot have too much of. Okay. One, powders. Two, nut butters. And three plants. Mm. Yeah. Can't have too much of any of those three. Well, well pow powders. Let's start with uh, powders. Start powders. That's, uh, you know, powders encompasses a wide <laughs> yes. variety yes. of substances. So herbal. Okay. So, you know, you got the ashwagandha. You got the reishi. You've got even cacao powder. Yep. Um, other herbal ones that you, you dabble with? And you got he, she, woo. Yeah. Yukomia bark. Um, the classic. Um, and, you know, ashwagandha comes mm. in powder form. That's yeah. what I do, yeah. Then you got the whey protein powder. You got just pea protein powder. You got tons. You can even get oat powder. So you got all, right, oatmeal. Right? Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to bulk right now. And so <laughs> you got so many powders. And I don't think, I don't think you can never have enough. Well, I, 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 you know, I'd never considered that that sentiment before, but I, I tend to live by it in a sense. I think if I emptied my cupboards and piled everything, the, the pile of powder would be 
would be the largest pile of of digestible substances <laughs> yeah. that I own. <laughs> yeah. Because you're never going to be like, oh, I have too much powder. No, yeah. that's never going to be spoken. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have too much stuff. Yeah. Too many chairs, too many books. You know, you can even say, I have, too, I have too much toothpaste right now. I just don't need that much toothpaste. Yeah. No, no. I need this much powder. Yeah. I, I, I've never had the toothpaste problem. I'm usually on the, the other end the of other that. The other end. Yeah. I got to squeeze it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like with toothpaste, something I, th- I figured out is like with toothpaste is like, when I first get one, I squeeze it all out of my brush, like tons of it. Yeah. I go heavy. And the more I use it, the less I give. Yeah. Yeah. And you realize that you probably didn't need as much as you did in the beginning. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like love. <laughs> you know, when I first when I first get into a relationship, sometimes you just give lots of love. And the more the relationship goes, people just give less and less <laughs> love. It's like, oh, now I'm just squeezing you're out. Squeezing it out. You know, you do the method where you like cringle it all together. <laughs> yeah, you do that with your, you know, your heart or emotional center. You're just raining it out, trying to yeah. get any droplets you can. So it's a solution. Yeah. Huh. That's just ease the love out. There's no tube of love. Yeah, or maybe love's infinite, and it's just a matter of plugging into that source that could provide you. Yeah, you know, kind of like a bottomless toothpaste container. Just don't get cavity, man. Yeah. Did you get a cavity? Recently? I did get a cavity recently. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, they gave me Novocaine. You ever hit that up? Yeah, I have. Wow. Half my face. Just, yeah. yeah. I was talking to them. I really would love to do – I mean, if I ever have to get a cavity again, I hope not. But uh, it was a small feeling to do it without Novocaine. Hmm. Do you think you can do that? Um. I, I think I could do it. I don't know if I'd do it well. Yeah. You know? I don't think it would be something that it would be particularly flattering. No, it wouldn't be nice. Right. But to be able to block out pain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, from a, I guess the question is, am I there in conscious, has my consciousness or meditative practice evolved to that point where I could, yeah. you know, effectively, you know, process and be present with the pain in that sense? No. Swim with the pain. Yeah. There's something about it that is I, I admire. Yeah. For some reason, I'm like, oh, that sounds badass. Yeah, it, it does. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, we grew up watching, kind of being indoctrinated to this, the, the this kind of idea of of masculinity and the warrior, right? And there's always the those guys in the action movies who just, you know, get beat up the entire movie and they're just taking punches. And, yeah. And they're still stoic, right? Yeah. Just never, you know, never even flinching or, or really acknowledging it. And so I think, at least for me, I'm like, oh, that's probably where that that idea came from. Mm. But then also the sense of just having mastery over your, you know, your internal state. Your experience. Yeah. Mastery over experience or, yeah. I've never been punched in the face. So I, how can I even say that I want to take a cavity without a Novocaine? Yeah. Yeah, maybe a start with a punch. Yeah, a solid punch. Should I just ask somebody? <laughs> yeah, we, a friend. Hey, yeah, you know, we can go outside after this and like, should, play around with like, that. Should I have a friend punch me in the face, or should I have an enemy? Um, depends on what experience you're looking for. Is that a form of compassion? If I was like, "Hey, enemy, you can punch me in the face," because I'm fulfilling kind of some desire that they have to then hopefully enable their awakening, because then they notice that it's fleeting for them to even hate me. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> Compassion, sure. I don't. Know. Well, maybe compassion. I do think on that on that line of thinking, though, that there is like 
a, a good hit to the face or just like physical contact could be a really valuable lesson. Yeah. At times, you know, it's like a, it's like a clear biofeedback, like, oh, don't do that. Right. So I don't want a random hit in the face. No. It's, no. Yeah. I have to you put want on, a warranted hit in the face. I want a warranted. So if I were to put some goal up, like, hey, I need to do my review paper. Yeah. I need to finish it signed off by the end of this month or else you punch me in the face. Yeah. And you can't plan the punch either. It's just got to oh, be Oh, it's like, a surprise. It's a sucker punch? It's a, it'd be a sucker punch. Or soccer punch. Uh, uh, <laughs> think a sucker. It's a sucker. Yeah. S- soccer punches, uh, I don't think they're, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a soccer punch, but I can't imagine it. I thought it was called a soccer punch, but Did it's you? not. It's no. sucker punch. Sucker okay. punch. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's, that's but the whole, first of all, I, I really dislike dental work, but I think that's beside the point. But that idea of being able to, and I think that that relates to sort of that there's a fear, right, of not not knowing or what could happen if you haven't experienced something like that, right? I know for the longest time I was afraid of, like, afraid of that, afraid of fighting, like what's going to happen? And then it happens and it sucks, but then you're like, oh, that's, now I know what it is. Mm-hmm. And sort of removing that unknown aspect clarifies um, and reduces that fear when the, when the unknown component is, is removed. So when you remove the unknown by becoming what? Um, by through experience. I think that's the only way to really do it. It's hard to, it, you know, and I think kind of transitioning into what's going on now. Like there's a lot of unknown today right we you know with this coronavirus no one knows what's going to happen and we've had we've lived in such certainty for so long or, or not necessarily certainty but um we, we were able to adopt we had these routines and we knew what our next day was going to look like we could you know plan vacations in three months and now that we don't know or we lost this control um we're having to to sit in and deal with this unknown yeah, because the so the flu kills more people. Um, I'm not sure which one's more contagious. The flu definitely does, but it's more known because we've been studying it for so long. So yeah. people know when March, April yep. kind of hit, it reduces. Yep. Um, they also know can they can kind of track its spreading and stuff. But the corona, there's just no it's unknown, a lot of unknownness to it. Yeah. So, is the solution to unknown knowing? Or is there another method to, in relation to the unknown? I I think it is. It's it's what we've been doing. You know, we've always sought to know, and 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 that's a you know that's what's happening now in the, in the scientific communities, studying it. You know, trying to uncover what it is. How do we address it? What's what's I think more relevant is what would we do in the meantime, before it becomes known. You know, yeah. how do we don't shake people's hands? Uh, Learn that lesson. Right. <laughs> so I shook someone's hand this morning and I, I felt some animosity. And I was like, oh, I can't shake people's hands, you know? And I see my guess is that a scientist, so a news journalist went to science, said, hey, a news journalist went to science and was like, hey, what do we do about this corona? And they're like, I don't know, just like, you know, we don't really know much about it. Like, well, what do we, the people do? What do we tell people? I don't know. You could just like not shake people's hands or something, mm-hmm. I guess. And they're like, that's a great idea. And they took it and ran. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing right now is we're seeing this, you know, dissemination of information from multiple sources, like telephone, right? Yeah. 
And, and so there's so much information around it. Um, and it's depending on what source you're deriving your information. That has a huge variance. Uh, so the, the, we're lacking clarity, right? Even in, even in this space of not knowing, we, we, we lack, we think we know certain things, but we don't, we're trying to cling to for anything to help us understand. To make sense. Not, to make sense, right. So I know that you know you've been writing a paper um, around using some literature from WIC and sense-making. Yeah. And a lot of that, you know more about it than me, but I know from a meaning standpoint, making meaning out of the world, uh, meaning is a, a subset of sense-making. Yeah. It's, it's what is going on in my experience that I could fit into a schema of how the world works. And if it doesn't fit in that schema, then maybe there's an emerging new schema that I can build up through this experience. But if we can't build fit it into a schema or like a, a way the world works or operates, then that's what triggers emotional hostility within mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And that's when we start projecting fear onto others, trying to gain control through power relationships, gain power over friends or family in order to feel superior to something, even to nature itself. Right. And a big part of not knowing will trigger that reaction to I'm not in control. I think one way is to look at the experience differently. Still sitting in the unknown, but how can I be like I'm learning or I'm experimenting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the, the, to the point about schemas, building new schemas are really hard to do. We don't want to do them, right? It, we, we want to maintain control. And, yeah, it's and less energy output. It, it's less energy output, right? So a lot of times we'll end up trying to cram and morph reality and, and morph the meaning into something that will fit in our current schema rather than saying, okay, maybe this isn't working here. Let's try to scaffold something different. Yeah, to disidentify to a schema of how the world works is way more difficult than like irrationally fitting yeah. things together. That's cognitive dissidence at its at its essence, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, um, I'm, I'm a, I smoke a pack a day. And now I just went through a training learning that smoking can kill me. How do I make sense of this? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm not really prone to lung cancer. Or there's all sorts of ways that our brain, even on a low level, makes cognitive dissonance. You know, I do – it doesn't have to even be a high-level threat as in coronavirus or even something like cancer or, or smoking. It's giving me super low-level. Mm-hmm. Like making just a decision to hit the snooze button yeah. will create cognitive dissonance, and that's okay. Yeah. I do it all day. Yeah. We all do. We all do. But it's how do we, I think, so do you think that we should f- slowly create new schemas in terms of how the world works so we don't grasp too hard onto these false true, these false realities? Yeah. I, I think it's, and especially now, it's being very aware of of that process, right? Trying to observe um, the steps that we're taking in the meaning-making process uh, and understanding the different levels and how we're attaching the information that we're digesting into our our schemas and and, and building our realities. Beginning to and and I'm not saying you know I think it is good to question, you know, question everything, right? Um, but to get stuck in the questioning phase, I, I would argue is is not necessarily productive. It but it's beginning to decide and have more autonomy over um, how we're 
taking in information, right? Because not all information, it's like food, right? Not all food is good for you. Not all these information is good for you, right? If you, it's good to be aware. It's good to be aware of the situation and and check updates and see what's going on in the world to be, you know, to increase your knowing. But at a certain point, if you're constantly ingesting fear, uh, that has a lot of negative effects, uh, both for mentally, physically, you know. So, uh, and then focusing on what you can control, right? Like in this sense, you know, you can wash your hands. You can live healthy, a healthy life. I think that's the biggest thing you can do. Be healthy, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I'm going to do. Not as a response to fear. Just as a response of just like loving life. Yeah. life feels so awesome when you're healthy. Yes. It feels great, man. It feels great. When I'm hitting the gym in the morning, because I've been hitting the gym recently, dumbbell workouts, I'm on a sketch. And then I hit the sauna for like 10 minutes, meditate in the heat. Mm-hmm. I feel great. Yeah. Feel awesome, man. Yeah. Feeling awesome is awesome. Feeling awesome is awesome. Yeah. And then because your tank's full, you can share your awesomeness with others. You can't argue. There's no one that would argue feeling awesome is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's something we can we can build a schema around that. Yeah. Feeling awesome is awesome. Yeah. That's my main schema. Yeah. Good. That's my, that's, wow. Good for you, man. <laughs> Life must be nice. It's my dominant scum <laughs> schema, dude. My dominant schema is life is awesome. Yeah. Feeling awesome is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what's up with you, dude? Um, well, for me, you know, it's been interesting looking at sort of just playing in the unknown. Uh, you know, for being a, a consultant, uh, and I know I'm sure a lot of people are going through this, but there's a lot of uncertainty with, uh, you know, am I going to be able to travel to Seattle in two weeks to do a workshop? Um, you know, then my summer travel schedule, working with a different client, is this is this going to happen? There's so many things on hold that it's it's being able to sit back and observe how I feel about. Mm. this right so noticing the feelings and the resistance um and then also the acceptance of not knowing um because there is this when when you can feel the discomfort of not understanding what your next move is or what three months or a year will look like which is scary um when you can sort of sit through that there's this peace that can come from that Mm -hmm. of being okay well can't do anything about it so what now you know, and then and then you can focus on it gives a, you know, I think a, a, a change in perspective where you start to notice what what your underlying values are and how you want to spend your time when um, when when there it, when some of the things that you thought you were going to be doing um, aren't as prevalent or relevant anymore. It's good to question underlying values ever so often. Yeah. Too much of it. It's like living in chaos. It's like I need to learn how to swim at this point. Yeah. But it's good. It's a good pause. That's what kind of winter break does. Mm-hmm. The holidays is kind of like reset into some foundational values, but it's weird when it happens just in the middle of like March for us to be going through this where it's like this chaos is happening and to question certain values yeah. and just sit there with it. Because, you know, I was listening to this news article. They're interviewing uh, an American in China that's in the in the ground zero area of where the corona hit. And she hasn't left her house in like two, three weeks. Hasn't seen anybody. Wakes up, eats food, watch TV. What do you do in that time? You could just sit and watch TV or you could question values and, and kind of create some micro goals. Yeah. Create some pathways and then start working anew that way. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I mean, a few weeks ago, if you would ask me like a month ago, a scenario similar to this, not not on the mass scale where there's, you know, people are are, are suffering. Uh, but for me personally, if you're like, hey, you might have to stay inside or, you know, not, not socialize with others for three weeks, I'd be like, sweet. You needed that. Sweet. Yeah, I needed that. And then it's also it, for that exact reason, right? It's an opportunity to – uh, to check in and to um, work on different aspects of self and and create this nice routine and and um, and even on winter break or you know there's there's so many other variables going on it's it's hard to carve out the time to do that so maybe this is you know that's like a that's a reframe like what can you do in this time when you're 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 spending time alone how can you um, you know better yourself and still have quality interactions, um, you know, given the circumstance. How can you maximize this opportunity? Yeah, maximize opportunity. Live in a peace, yeah. right? Because for someone living in their their opportunity, living in their peace, maybe rewatching that favorite season of that TV show that you love. Mm-hmm. Cool, respect. I love rewatching or rereading things. For someone, it may be about self development. I'm going to start meditating. Whatever it is, reframing is powerful. Yeah. And it's weird how things just end up going the direction that we need, right? Like you said, you kind of wanted that space to Mm -hmm. kind of come back to your center. And I had a trip lined up to go to India that got canceled. Mm. And leading up to it before the corona hit and I was was kind of like, I I don't really want to go. I need to get grounded. Mm. I need to get grounded. And then this whole thing happened and our trip was canceled. I don't get to see the Dalai Lama. Which major bum because yeah. I know we wanted to see if he was ripped. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy how it just worked out. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of suffering in the world and that's an important disclaimer to all of this. Uh, but things usually tend to work out the way that we need it to be. Yeah. And maybe that's due to me just reframing constantly to like see, to have a proactive outlook on life. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, having that. And this is a good test for that, right? Because you get to see where you're at in a sense um, when when anything, you know, that, that has to test your resiliency and your mindset and your optimism, right? You know, I, I consider myself to be optimistic in a lot of cases and then life will hit and then that flips, right? Like, oh, you know, I, I'll go through these downward spirals um, and, uh, and it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not. As, as developed in this certain areas I thought I was. Um, so again, yeah, and I agree. I think everything happens. Everything happens. Everything happens. Yeah. <laughs> and how we respond is an indicator of, of where we're at Yeah, in this moment. So what's your flow of the week? Flow of the week. Let's go into those uh, the hard-hitting questions, yeah. the lightning rounds. Flow of the week, research. Research. Um beginning my thesis and looking at teams research and um, thesis is on team flow. Uh, so it's been doing a lot of reading and intake, uh, which, you know, we do here as PhD students, but it's been, I've, when I sit down to do it and I make myself do it, it's been really rewarding and, and fun. And uh, you know, it's kind of, you're able to go through these rabbit holes and build yes. up, build up this, you know, internal, um, understanding of 
what it is you're really interested in and passionate about and, and filling these holes and gaps and having labels and terms for these experiences. So it's been, um, it's been really fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know that when I'm able to get into that research world, I can, everything kind of just settles because it's, especially in the beginning phase, you're just integrating knowledge. It's like, you're just exploring. Yeah. There's no goal. There's no goal. It's like you live in a hut in the Dominican Republic and you're like, today I'm just going to go east. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until sunset. Right. Until the sun's about to set, then I'm going to head back. Yeah. No goal. No goal. That's it. Yeah. No no hut and boar. No. No finding certain types of wood for your cabin. Yeah. Just I'm going east for a little bit. I'm just going east. And you come back and you maybe you draw down like what you saw. Yeah. You make note of some of the things that really – struck out struck you on the maybe on you write a book stroll. later yeah but hey that's not the main purpose no the purpose is just to go east for a little bit yeah nice yeah, yeah that's nice that's good uh how about you what's your flow just tending plants man <laughs> i am a plant monster dude it's epic i love it repot repot plants that's fun put some new dirt into a bowl and then fill it up mm so you're full on plant dad. I'm plant daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's really fun, man. And organizing my home so I just kind of like interact with it in the best way possible with these plants. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. So that's my that's my flow for sure. 100%. Yeah. What do you um I made a rule of myself early on cuz I tend to I and you may have this too, but I tend to get really excited about something and then gather and get a lot. So with plants, um cuz I've had in the past, I haven't been the best plant dad. So I started a rule where I could only I get one plant a month. And if that plant, if I tend that plant well, I can get another one. Yeah. Um, so do you feel any pressure or are you nervous about your ability to no tend pressure. these plants? No pressure. No. No pressure um, because my place is very lit. Okay. It's I, I rarely turn on the lights because I have a lot of windows. Yeah. And uh, it's got really good airflow. Oh, nice. So really like my plant parenting doesn't matter as much as the environment that the plants are in. Yeah. And I have some plants that are e that are not easy to kill. Like a pothos plant, those grow easily. Yeah. Nice. Um, and also because the prior like few months, I had some plants that were dying, some succulents, which are hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> they were dying. They were getting real red and dry and the roots were super dry. And then I moved to my new place. They're loving it. Mm. They're green. They're starting to, it's it's a really amazing, I have an aloe vera plant that's like literally coming back to life and it's awesome to watch it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, how, how I, I, it still blows me away that a plant is, you know, you, you thought you killed it and then you move it into a different location, give it some water and it's, it's back. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, man. <laughs> Humans do that. Right? It's yeah. like you change the environment. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It reminds me of a talk uh, we had here at CGU. Uh, did you go happiness? Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Did not go. Did not go. Oh, it was awesome. But one of the graphs or he showed were that people that have just how people respond to major life events differently. And I think it was 75% of people actually – you like on the happiness scale, right? There's after the event, there's a dip. 
And, and some people dip down, they stay down. But the majority of people, I think it was 60% or so, they dip down and they come back up even happier than they were before. Wow. And it, you know, it shows how innately resilient we are. And we don't quite understand what the individual differences are between those people yet, but um, you know, that was sort of reassuring to hear. Um, and, and a good reminder that, you know, like, just like plants, we can come back better. We can come back even stronger. Yeah. I mean, maybe because I'm in the meaning literature right now and reading a lot of that, it makes me think that there's a lot of studies how uh, extreme intense emotions actually create meaning. Hmm. So like negative emotions, negative, uh, intense and negative emotions enable people to actually fit new schemas forces people mm. into creating new schemas to see the world and how the world works yeah. and and derive some meaning um the hard part is when there's when there's actually low intensity yeah because then it's just kind of like comfort yeah yep and it's it's hard to jostle and shake up these you know firmly structured schemas yeah that may not be that might be dried up right yeah you know? As we head into the final few moments here, what was your challenge of the week? What is your challenge of the week? My challenge of the week? Yeah. Um, my challenge of the week is to um, organize my social life. That makes sense. Uh, I, I guess it's it's just to optimize and, and to, uh, you know, wanting – I have a lot of different friends in different groups. So I feel like I'm always moving mm. between circles. And I was talking with a friend and they just were like, why don't you bring, bring it together? Right. Maybe that's what this opportunity is. Maybe, you know, the meaning behind it or the meaning they offered was that it could be that you're meant to, you know, kind of connect these people in this opportunity, you yeah. know? So rather than do four different things during the week and see four different people, let's have a beach day. So I'll go to the beach, hang out, shred, shred some waves, you know. Yes. You know, play some spike ball and, and have, you know, kind of forming communities rather than operating in silos. So that was my – that's my challenge. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. I feel that same way too of just like having multiple groups and wanting to bring them all together. Um, I'm also in a phase where I enjoy – I'm enjoying going around. Yeah. That's that's right now. I think right now where I'm at, I enjoy it. But prior, I was not. Yeah. For some reason, I found some harmony. My challenge this week is to really continue to cultivate this peacefulness that I have in my house when I come home at night. Mm. Um, I kind of set up this foray, word of the week, foray, which is like a little place to put some keys in your wallet and stuff at the front of the house. Um, and I, my aim is to leave my phone there all the time. It's been drifting. <laughs> so I need to as phones do <laughs> as phones drift yeah. so keep bringing it back and then having my space to do what I want to do so like I printed out all my research articles for my main review paper mm. like all these main reviews and just print them all out and I'm just going to read so no no computer time turn off the wi-fi it's on a flip of a switch so that's kind of nice yeah and just read or kind of sp create the space I want to create yeah oh, that's awesome that's awesome um well, are we right on, right on schedule, really? Yeah, I think we're good to go. We're good to go. I think, uh, I think we're good to go. I think we're good to go. I think we're just going to end it. Yeah, we're going to end it right here. Uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you, man. We're getting back on schedule. Getting back on schedule. And, uh, nice. you know, it's it's great to be here and to, to chat with all of you. And uh, come on.
coming to you live from Studio B3. It's been nice. See you next time. See you next time.